When you have a child that leaves the LDS Church, you're taking a parenting detour. Have you ended up in a place you never thought you would be? When life takes you on a different path and it seems like everything has gone wrong, it's your opportunity to learn to show up differently and learn to love in a whole new way. No matter why your child has left the church, you're in the right place to learn how to parent through the detour with me, LDS Life Coach Tina Gosney. Buckle up, let's go on this ride together. Welcome back. Welcome to episode two of Parenting Through the Detour podcast. So glad you're here with me today because I am going to talk about what goes on for you when your child leaves the church. And I saw this journey for myself begin in 2013. So I had a daughter who began making choices that was, it was really taking her away from our family and the road that we thought she was going to travel in her life. And I came pretty I came down pretty hard on her at the time. I began thinking and saying things like, well, in our family, we don't do that. Or that's not who we are. I'm not going to, and a big one was, I'm not going to let this happen. And I came down really hard on her. She was 18. She was a senior in high school. And I took away a lot of her privileges. I talked a lot to her. I talked at her. I didn't always listen very well at all. I really approached her with a very, this is my way or nothing kind of attitude. I expected her in her life, I expected her to use the checklist. You know what I'm talking about, the church checklist. You should do this, and then you should do that, and then this is what you do. I expected that she was going to want that for herself, but she didn't. She did not want that for herself, and I did not think that that was okay. She wanted to live her life differently than I expected her to in the way that I wanted her to. And I think the, the more important part of that, that that I thought at the time was the way that I wanted her to. Because I was not asking and inquiring of her to find out how she wanted to live her life. And I wasn't accepting that it wasn't fitting in with my view of how she should be living her life. This created a lot of tension in our home, really thick tension, like you can cut this with a knife kind of tension. And it was not a short period of time. It was actually quite a while. It was quite a few months that this was going on. And it got to the point where I was feeling like a prisoner in my home, my own home. And I know that she did too. And really it was, It was her pitted against me, and we were both pretty strong personalities and pretty stubborn, and everybody in the home was our victim of the relationship that we were having with each other. No one wanted to be there, including me and including her and including all the rest of our family. And I remember one particular Sunday where I really just lost it, and I started yelling at her. I can't can't even tell you what it was about right now because I don't I don't even remember but it's not even important. I just know that I had reached a boiling point and I it was boiling over and it came all spilling out that day. And I lost it and I started yelling at her. And my husband told me, he said, "You have got to stop. You are out of line. This is not okay." And up until that point, I thought my husband and I were on the same page. I thought we were both out for the same goal that she needed to change and she needed to get in line with the program 
And I thought that that's what we both wanted. And I know that we did both want that, but we both saw different ways of getting there. And what he saw me do was actually very damaging to my relationship with my daughter. And it was damaging the, the entire atmosphere in our, in our home and our family. And I felt like my one ally was now against me. So I remember leaving my home that day, just getting in my car, finding a parking lot and spending hours crying. Just left for the rest of the day. Didn't even come back until evening. But I was just trying to get my daughter back. I was just trying to get her back on the straight and narrow path. Wasn't Wasn't I in the right if my desires were righteous? Well, not necessarily, because my true intention was she needs to follow my plan. I wasn't even asking and praying for Heavenly Father so that I might know what her plan was or that I could see that there was another plan that maybe she had for herself or maybe that he had for her. And all of my efforts, all of my supposed righteous desires were driving her further away from me. Now, in DNC 121.37, it says, When we exercise control or dominion or compulsion upon the souls of the children of men in any degree of unrighteousness, behold, the heavens withdraw themselves. The Spirit of the Lord is grieved. Now, this is just an edited version of that verse, but surely I was grieving the soul of the Lord. I had had the heavens withdraw from me because I was exercising unrighteous dominion and trying to force her to choose the things that I wanted her to choose. And Heavenly Father, this is not the way that he parents with us. And we should always be using his example as a parent for what we should do with our own children. But my actions were not righteous, but my desires were. I was going about trying to control her, and I was trying to control her by guilt and shame and get her back into submission, all from a place of being afraid for her and afraid for our family. Now, fear will do terrible things to you as a person and extra terrible things to you as a parent. It's not, it is not a place that you want to come from. I was not allowing God to work in her life and having faith that he was going to do that. I was not trusting in him. Now, with me, it has taken a lot of time to develop a relationship with God. It's a matter of time, of many experiences over a a long period of time, and turning to him with faith. And my relationship with him has developed over many, many years. But I still struggle to see his hand and to trust him sometimes, more often than I wish that I did. But our children, think about our children, how much less time they've had here on the earth. They don't have the always the benefit of time on their side to rely on. And we need to give them that time to develop that relationship. It is an ongoing relationship, and it will build over time. We tell them from the time they're little that they are children of Heavenly Father and that He loves them and that they should trust Him. But if we are not doing a good example, showing them a good example of what it means to trust him, then they are not going to understand how to do that. 
And I, at this time in my life with my daughter, I was not showing her a good example of how to trust Heavenly Father, of how to turn to Him when things are not going the way that you want them to. And I was not showing her a good example of this is how you use your agency. I can use my agency to turn to Him and trust Him, but I wasn't allowing her to use her agency to, to determine her own life. So how well are you trusting Heavenly Father with your child? Are you reacting from your child from fear? Because when I talk to parents that whose children are leaving the church, there is a lot of fear. Very rarely do I hear a parent that it has just complete trust and faith in the plan. Most of the time, there's either a lot of fear or, or at least a, an inkling of fear in the way that they talk. And there's many levels in between. So... Are you modeling fear for your child? Or are you modeling them for them what you want them to believe and rely on, which is developing a relationship with God? And sometimes your trust in Him that you show your child is letting go and letting your child make mistakes and being that constant in their life so that they see, oh, this is what a relationship with God looks like. This is what it looks like to trust in Him, even when you're scared, even when things aren't going the way that you want, even when you have questions, even when there's ambiguity and you just can't reconcile things. This is what it looks like to turn to God and to trust Him and to make mistakes and still be able to move forward in that relationship. Now, until they have the time, the experience, and the faith on their side to know their Heavenly Father better, you are his representative on this earth. Have you ever thought about that? You are the one, the earthly parent for them, that models the kind of love that their Heavenly Father would have for them. Now, in that modeling, are you trying to control your child like I was? Because that's not modeling Heavenly Father's example. That is not how he operates. He lets us make mistakes. And sometimes... The child makes mistakes, and sometimes we, the parent, make mistakes as his child. But no matter where we are in that relationship, if we're the child or the parent, we can learn from all of the mistakes that we make. And we can trust that Heavenly Father knows exactly where His children are. He has always have them under His watchful care. He always knows exactly where they are. And when the time is right to touch their hearts, he invites, he's always inviting. And sometimes we listen, sometimes we don't. But he's always loving us with patience, understanding, with compassion and empathy. And so how well are you modeling that for your child? I know in 2013, I was doing a terrible job. And I did not do much better in 2014 or 15. In fact, it was quite a while of me making a lot of mistakes and going back and just looking at taking a step back at times and going, what am I doing wrong? How am I, how, how should I be acting to be more of a representative of Heavenly Father? How should I be acting so that my child can see that they have a Heavenly Father that loves them because they can see that in me? That's really what I was trying to to develop, but I took me a long time, and it took me a lot of mistakes 
Now, Heavenly Father always loves us with patience. And we're not always going to get this right. And sometimes you're going to get it really wrong, just like I did. But that is the beauty of being a parent. You are learning how to grow. You are learning how to love better. You are learning how to develop your own divine nature by practicing being like Heavenly Father. He wants you to be a parent so that you can practice being a parent. For years, I mean many decades, we've known about child development, about the different stages of, of that children go through as they develop into, you know, older, older elementary age and into their adolescence and into their teen years. That is a very well-documented model of development for children, but not so documented and not so well-established is adult development. There are different stages of adult development that we go through through our lifetime, and surely parenting is one of those that helps us to move through those stages. You are learning how to grow. You are learning how to move into a new person you are learning how to become more Christ-like and develop as a human being, as an adult in your maturity through being a parent. Now, one thing that we want to do as parents all the time is to beat ourselves up for the things that we have failed at in the past. We like to go look at the past and, and look at all the mistakes that we've made and beat ourselves up for it and concentrate on those. But I want to tell you that it's a really, it's, it's important that you go in it and see those mistakes only so that you can work to be better in the future. But it's also important to look for the times when you have done a good job and acknowledge that to yourself. It's not conceited to tell yourself that you've done a good job and that you have shown up as the parent that you want to be. It's only conceited if you do that to elevate yourself above others. Your brain is going to want to point out to you all the things that you've done as a parent that were the failures. All the times that you didn't show up well, that you maybe lost your temper, that you, you know, you notice something now like, how did I not pay attention to that all those years ago? I should have paid attention because now we're dealing with this. And if I had just paid attention, then we wouldn't be where we are right now. Or things that you've said or things that you, where you failed to be there for your child. You know, there's so many ways that we can go back to our past and see the ways that we have failed as a parent. And your brain does a great job of reminding you of those because that is your brain's job. It has a built-in negativity bias because we have the same brain that our ancestors from thousands of years ago had. And they lived in a very, very different environment and a very different society than we do today. But having that negativity bias in their brains helped them to stay alive. Think about like they didn't have houses that had locks on the doors and they didn't have cars where they could get in and go somewhere quickly. If they, if there was a bear within, you know, a certain distance from them, that was a big threat to them. Well, it would be to us today too. But we have houses that we can protect ourselves in. We have many ways of protection for ourselves now and cities and you know all the, all the ways that we don't have to deal with the elements of nature that, that our ancestors did. But our brain does not know that we don't live in that same environment. And it thinks it needs to show you all the negative things 
especially the negative things about you, because it thinks it's helping you stay alive longer. It wants you to live a longer life. And so it's going to go into the past, and it's going to want to, to focus on those things that you think you failed at, because that it thinks it's helping you to stay alive. That's the primitive part of our brain. And I believe that's part of the natural man as well. And remember, a natural man is an enemy to God. So do you think Heavenly Father lives in the past? Or do you think he looks toward the future with hope and love for all of his children? I want to believe, and I really, I really trust in this belief, that he does look forward to the future with hope and love for all of his children, no matter where they are right now. He knows that we are all spiritual beings having a spiritual experience in a human world and a human body. And this earthly experience is just that. It's an experience that is meant to help you grow in ways that you never have before. And any time that we do something that we haven't done before, it's hard. And we want to be confused. And we want to feel, lots of times we feel overwhelmed. And sometimes it just feels too hard to make changes. But it's our brain's way of conserving energy. It's another function of our primitive brain is to not want us to change, to not want us to exert effort because I've already figured out how to do it this way and that other way is just too much work. I, don't, I just can't do that. And so it wants to shut us down and it does it very well a lot. But that's the way it's supposed to be. It's another part of the natural man. But we get so stuck on being perfect at things that we forget about letting things be hard. And just because it's hard doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or something wrong with your child. It just means you are learning. And it means that you are growing and stretching and your brain is doing something that it doesn't want to. And so it's going to try to stop you. So realize that being doing something hard is just the brain's way of growing, and it likes to resist growth. There's another part of ourself that wants to hold on and not have anything change, and that is our ego. So our ego likes to hold on to our favorite view of our life, of ourselves and who we are, the way that our life should go, and the way that our peop the people in our life should behave. It's like the story, we have this story inside of our brains of, this is the way my life should be. And when it doesn't go according to story, when reality doesn't match the story that we have inside of our head that, there, that our ego has told us, it creates something called cognitive dissonance. And it causes us to do things where we're trying to change other people and get them back in line with our story. We're trying to change situations in our life so that they match up with our story again. But how well does it work when you are trying to get other people to change? It usually doesn't because you can't control other people. As much as we think that we can, we cannot control other people. Now, there are some circumstances in our life that we can change and some that we can't. And it's important to know the difference between the two of those. And when another part of that is, we like to define, as parents, so often we got caught in this trap of defining success as a parent and success as a person by what our child is or isn't doing and our own 
when we do this, our own worth becomes a moving target because we all make mistakes. Even the most diligent child makes mistakes and doesn't always do their best. And we'll have times, period of times where they're not doing well overall in their life. And they're going to have other times where everything is working great and they're doing great. So if you're measuring your worth about yourself as a parent and as a person, depending on what your child is doing or how their life is going, that is a moving target and you have no control over that. And another really bad idea is to leave your worth and how you feel about yourself in the hands of someone else. Because other people do a terrible job of making you feel worthy and successful. You need to define what that is for yourself. But when we do this, when we define our worth by our children and what they're doing, choices that they're making, how their lives are going, we get really stuck in comparison with others. And we begin to rank ourselves on the parenting success scale that you have in your mind. We all have this, this scale in our minds. And that parent over there did better than me because their son is a bishop. And oh, we, par- we parented better than them because our, went, our son went on a mission and theirs didn't. We all do these things, even if it's subconsciously, we have this scale in our minds. But if you have more than one child, <laughs> I mean, that's... Can you imagine one moving target? Imagine two or three or four or however many kids you have. It's a terrible idea to measure your own success by what your children are doing. And you're never really going to feel grounded if your worth is constantly being measured by someone else's choices. So what's the solution to this? How do we let go of the failure? How do we let go of this feeling of failure. How, what's, what's the solution? Let's go through this for a minute. So I want to ask you, I want you to ask yourself, what does it produce for you to hold on to that feeling of failure? Now let's just assume that you have a daughter that's left the church and she's decided not to come. She's decided that it's not for her and she's gone off and she's living a different life and she no longer attends church. What are you going to think about that? If you're thinking, well, this is all my fault, I did something wrong, then you're going to feel like a failure for sure. If you're thinking that this is your fault and that you did some, that was some failure of yours in the past, yeah, you're going to feel like a failure. What do you do when you feel like a failure? Probably you're going to beat yourself up internally. You're going to look at the past and all the ways that you think that you've failed this daughter. You're going to look at all the things that you think that you did wrong, the things that you thought you, now that you say, well, I should have done that and I didn't, and there's no way I can change the past. And you're going to find all the ways in the past that you think you failed. You're not going to have any energy to look and face the present or to look to the future. And you're probably not going to look for ways to connect with that daughter where she is in her life right now. Because all you can think of when you see her is your own failure. So when you do all these things, when you beat yourself up, when you go into your past and look for all the ways that you failed, when you don't, you know, you just drain yourself of energy. You don't look for ways to connect and see where she is in her life right now and and how she needs you. What happens? What happens for you? 
Well, one thing that happens for you is you're failing yourself right now and your daughter all over again because you're just not able to see what reality is. You're not able to look to the future and see how you can, how you can connect with that daughter. All you can see is your own failure and you're just continuing that failure in the present day. So I want you to define what success looks like for you. What is in your control and what isn't? How do you use your agency to be the parent that you wanna be right now? How do you become the best version of you? What do you do each day to become that person? That's a lot of questions I just asked you and maybe slow down and you know pause and ask yourself those questions one at a time. Really good questions promote really good growth in ourselves. But as you do this, realize that you need to respect your child's agency, just as Heavenly Father respects yours. Remember, Satan was the one that wanted to take our agency away. He's the one that didn't think it was important for us or thought it was Maybe he, he played into our fear. Maybe there's a possibility that he did that in the preexistence as he presented his plan that, he, you know, he, he said, well, it's too scary to go the other way because not everyone's going to make the right choices. But it's very important to Heavenly Father that we have our agency. It's one of the most important things that we have on this earth. It's so important to him that he allows his children to do all sorts of terrible things to each other. Think about all the terrible things that we do to each other here on this earth. And that includes murder. He allows his children to murder each other, and he still doesn't take away our agency. That's how important it is to him that we have agency. So as you ask yourself these questions and try to get past that feeling of failure you're, it's going to be at first kind of difficult for you to see another option than failure as to how to feel about your past and the things that you've done. Unless you open yourself up to thinking differently and defining success differently than you previously have. So you have to start telling yourself a different story about your past and your present. And if your story is all about these are the things that I've done wrong or these are the ways that people have wronged me, you have a pretty sad and depressing story. No one wants to listen to that kind of story, including you. That's why you tend to shut your brain down. It's exhausting to tell yourself those things all the time. But it's very important the way that you tell this story because the way that you think about this situation will determine how you feel about it. So how does your story make you feel? Does it exhaust you? Does it energize you? Does it allow you to have compassion for your former self, for your past self, for your child, for where they are now? And you're going to say, you just don't understand what I've been through. It's not possible for me to put a positive spin on it. And I can say, yes, I do understand. It is always possible for us to redefine our stories, no matter what they are. And I'm really not saying put a positive spin on it. It's not right or healthy to always expect ourselves to think happy, positive thoughts all the time about everything. That is not the experience that we're supposed to have on the earth. 
But we can't, what we can do is to use everything in our life and view it as an opportunity to learn. So we can look at our past and say, maybe I didn't show up as the person that I wanted to be, but there is something that I can learn from that experience. What, what am I going to take from that experience? And what am I going to move into the future as a better person with because of it? How will I let that experience affect my future decisions? One thing that I do want you to think of is your experience of something should never be greater than your learning of it. We should always be learning more and have that be more of a forefront in our thoughts than the experience was itself. So here's your job after this podcast. Should I grab a piece of paper and a pencil? I want you to make a list of who you want to be going forward. And what does a successful relationship with your child look like? What's in your control with those things? These are the things that are in your control. What do you think about your child? How do you want to think about them? How do you want to feel about them? What do you want to do or not do around your child? Those are where your agency lies. The three things where your power lies are those three things. What do you want to think? What do you want to feel? And what do you want to do or not do around this child? That's where your agency is. That's where success lies for you. So it isn't a moving target. You're not relying on someone else to do or be anything for you to feel like you are a success. You get to determine that by what is in your power and not giving that power to someone else. Okay, that is what I have for you today. So if you are not on my email list, you will want to get on that list for sure. I send out to my list at least one email a week with parenting tips, something that you can implement in your life with your child. And I also will send out notices about when I'm going to teach classes, what I have coming up, any workshops or webinars that are coming up. And if you're not on that list, you're not going to know about them. So go to tinagosney.com, click the Start Here button on the top of the page, and get signed up for that email list. And when you sign up for that list, you're going to be able to download a free PDF training called Five Ways to Feel Better Right Now, which is, it's a really great training. It's just a short PDF, but it's five quick ways that you can implement into your life to feel better right now as a parent. So go sign up for my email. And thanks for being with me today. Thanks for listening to Parenting Through the Detour podcast. I'm your host, Tina Gosney. If you want to learn more about my work, visit me at tinagosney.com. That's T-I-N-A-G-O-S-N-E-Y.com. And don't forget to subscribe and follow this podcast. I'll see you next week.